And so we've reached the last, but by no means least, part of our quintet of golden podcast rings. Focusing on the considerations and challenges surrounding launching a biopharmaceutical product in Europe, I spoke here with Sandra Anderson, SVP of International Commercialization for Sancora, as well as with Chris Williams, who is SVP and International Managing Director of Aloga Europe and ICS. Seeking their expertise and expansion on the various facets of this topic, we discussed how the race to develop innovative products continues, but that such products can introduce into the supply chain numerous challenges of practicality. At the end of the day, though, it's all about patients and bringing innovative treatments to as many patients who need them as possible. As we tiptoe towards 2024 in a mere couple of days' time, I feel that's an important factor to bear at the forefront of our minds. Once again, thank you for taking time out to listen and tune in this festive break. We hope you return for more industry insights and exploratory conversations around the healthcare sector next year. Happy holidays. This is web editor Nicole Rani, and today I have with me Sencora's SVP of International Commercialization, Sandra Anderson, and with her SVP and International Managing Director of Loga Europe and ICS, Chris Williams. Welcome both. Hi, nice to see you. And nice you. to be here. Thank you, Nicole. So today we'll be discussing the considerations and challenges for launching a biopharmaceutical product in Europe. Now, Sencora was established in 2023 as a new name for the Amerisource Bergen Corporation, building on over 100 years of pharmaceutical sourcing and wholesale distribution. Aloga, meanwhile, is a supply chain and logistics service provider for the healthcare industry. But before we begin discussing product distribution, Sandra, in your role at Sencora, you work closely with global pharmaceutical and biotech manufacturers who are commercialising products in various global markets. But what has been your personal journey to where you are today? So uh, a lot of these emerging biopharma companies are really, there's a lot more of them launching their products globally across in, in various markets. And actually emerging biopharma co companies are responsible for about two thirds of the molecules or drugs in the global research and development pipeline. And this is up from 51% uh, years ago in 2017 and 33% two decades ago. The difference now is that more of these companies are launching these products themselves. Previously, it might have been the larger type pharma with more resources, more money. Now we're seeing more of these smaller companies come to market and they're opting to go to the U.S. and other markets. And this has really allowed our team to have a different approach of how we work with these customers and how we engage with them and offer them more of an end-to-end -end solution through Syncor. It's not the same as working with a lot more bigger companies. It's a much more different experience, how we engage with them and how we can offer sort of a solutions to the to the pathway of commercialization. So they come to us typically years in advance where they're looking at how commercialization is complex. There's different regulatory requirements, market access requirements. And so we do try to engage with them earlier in the, in the planning process, provide them guidance, um, including launch plans and forecasts, but also some common questions and bringing up challenges or pitfalls that they might have and how we can help solve them. To avoid some of the more common 
pitfalls, it's really critical to understand the interdependencies of a launch plan from clinical trial to regulatory filing and all the market access preparation. So our team does serve as a strategic advisor to help these types of emerging biotechs understand all the markets they're launching in, um, which asset to prioritize, which market to consider first, as well as decision points and timelines so they don't miss anything. So as we provide this guidance, we're able to simplify the process, reduce uncertainty, and then be able to use tools such as our commercialization blueprint, where we can then help them you know, look at different launch scenarios and provide strategic guidance to them. It allows them to consider different scenarios, different decision points, and then allow them to consider how they want to launch in multiple markets. Thank you. And when did your own passion for this industry begin? Personally, I've been in the pharmaceutical industry for over 20 years, and my focus has always been in specialty. I come from Canada, and I did a similar role in the Canadian marketplace, and now I'm working with our international team to take that sort of integrated approach to commercialization and bring it internationally. So very excited to do that in the last year and working with Chris and his team as well. Yes, and speaking about Chris, how about you? What's your personal journey to what you do today been like? Uh, yeah, it's definitely been a journey. Um, I was thinking about this only the other day. So I think as of um, August uh, next year, I'd have been working for 40 years. 38 of those have been in logistics. Um, so you, you could say that um, I've been I've been around trucks and sheds for quite some time. Probably 30 of those years have been in dedicated to uh, healthcare logistics, helping pharma companies with their uh, in-country distribution. And the last 15 of those years have been with Sencora. So it's been quite a journey and it's definitely a passion for me. Thank you, Bo. So emerging biopharma companies, they account for a growing share of the global R&D pipeline, as you alluded to, Sandra, and are increasingly bringing products to markets on their own. But what are some of the key questions these companies need to address in the development and pre-launch stage? Uh, some of these global companies, when they're looking to expand and launch their reach and to enter new markets, should really run through an internal checklist of specific questions. To you know, that could include: Have you considered your global commercialization strategy and sequence to market? Uh, there could be benefits of launching in certain countries other than the U.S. first. A lot of them will likely go into the U.S. first. Another key question. Have you prepared obtaining your market authorization in your key markets? What key markets are you targeting? Are your licenses set up? A lot of companies coming in, for example, into Europe are not aware that Europe has 28 countries, different compliance regulations and quality standards in each country. They need to understand where is their place of importation? Will they need an importer of record? Have they started thinking about their supply chain or their 3PL strategy? So these are these are early questions that we at our you know our team navigates through with these emerging biotechs. Other areas that we do bring up earlier because a lot of times customers might not remember or might forget uh, questions related to pricing, market access, importation, and quality. Quality management and compliance is one of the first key things, and if that step is missed, there's a lot of other uh, delays that can occur. And so. Being on top of that early in the planning process, given the varying regulations and requirements across Europe and strategizing in a pan-European way is very important. So when thinking about importation, as an example, the whole supply chain needs to comply with country-specific requirements. They have to have the proper licenses. In, in for, as an example, in the UK, you need a license issued by the MHRA, whereas in France, you need one from the AMSM, as an example. So HTA process also is different, UK and Europe. 
They need to understand which play a vital role in determining whether a product is reimbursed and accessible in each market. How many patients will they reach? Some countries like Germany and France have different clinically oriented uh, processes where they review things differently. Others, UK and Sweden, focus more on cost effectiveness. These are just some examples of nuances and differences. Now, there are some new moves in Europe to standardize the HTA regulations and have a joint clinical assessment process. This will become mandatory. It's not yet in effect, but in January 2025, this will be a new process that emerging biotechs will need to be aware of. Our consulting team is very strong in being able to you know, navigate through this process and make sure that the customers are ready for the evolving requirements that are required when they launch. Thank you, Sandra. And to stick with you for a second. So to be clear there, we sort of segued from those bringing products to market to those who have launched a product to market. I just wondered if there's a little bit more uh, clarity between the differences there for those emerging biotechs and what questions and considerations they each need to prioritize in that strategy. Yeah, so a company that's bringing the drug to market, some of them could have launched it themselves, have done the clinical development program themselves, and they're commercializing. And the engagement that we have is early on while they're in their clinical stage. We talk to them, we help them plan their commercial strategy. Some other companies have inherited an asset. They might be further along in their commercialization process. So it's not a cookie cutter approach. It depends on when they are bringing what stage they're in in commercialization and when we start to engage with them. The, the key is having this strong sort of understanding of their clinical development pipeline and being at the table early to speak to them and bring up all these different nuances is important versus us coming in too late and then we are maybe helping them fix something that went wrong. And so there's some benefit if we engage with our emerging biotechs in an early stage. And how do you build a distribution strategy that best meets the needs of providers and ensures broad patient access. So maybe I'll start and then I'll pass it to Chris, since Chris yeah. is our distribution expert. I mean, we, we do a lot of understanding of the patient journey, how the product will come into the country, understanding the importation, where it's where, first of all, they want to launch, but then the product journey and the patient journey of how the patient will get access to the product. It's not going to be a one-size-fits-all. For example, in Europe, each country has different supply chain models that we would have to walk through with the customer depending on which country they're thinking. And then we would map out the, the most effective and efficient supply chain model with them and, and map it out for them and make sure they have all the proper importation licenses lined up. Chris, I don't Thank know if you, you want to add to that as well. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to cover here, but it's worth focusing on kind of three key areas, really. Um, first one, because of the nature of the product, specialty products, innovative products, there needs to be kind of much more kind of heightened collaboration all across the supply chain, really. Secondly, initiating the logistics and distribution strategy and planning earlier in the development process is very key um, so that we, we all kind of understand the requirements for the product and the patient combination, and particularly around kind of, you know, understanding the requirements from a logistics perspective. Uh, and then finally, kind of, you know, really developing our understanding of uh, investments that are required for, for those particular products, you know, physical infrastructure, technology, that will also help enable more efficient operations. And I mentioned planning. Um, we, we recommend with our biopharma companies to engage with us at least six to 12 months uh, prior to their product's projected launch date. That gives us kind of sufficient time to kind of ask and answer, you know, all of the critical questions and develop a strategy 
tailored to their product needs and their company's goals. And it's important to consider, you know, these companies only have one opportunity to successfully launch their product, which is why we need to kind of really invest a lot of time and money in developing our understanding and then the solution to help that um, launch be successful. Companies need to identify kind of how they will distribute their products. You know, is it going to be directly from 3PL to the um, you know, practitioners or to the pharmacies, or is it going to be via a wholesale channel? They then need to establish the quality systems and channel strategies that will enable you know, access, broad access to their, to their patients, and also you know, critically you know, comply with the regulatory requirements in all markets because they're not common, they're different in every market. And then going back to my point about investment in uh, infrastructure, our biopharma partners continue to grow their business and develop more complex, sensitive um, pharmaceutical products. These, these products often require unique transport, storage, and handling requirements. You know, quite often they're cold chain or ultra-low cold temperatures, so we need to take those into um, consideration. And then as the needs of our partners and their products evolve, logistics providers need to continue to invest in solutions and infrastructure that support that growth journey and the unique requirements of the products being developed you know, today. For example, at the UK, um, one of the uh, facilities that I run, or have done over the last uh, number of years, launched an enhanced service offering, which is built around four key areas. First one is about enhanced vigilance and security information. You know, these products are, you know, are very expensive, and we need to make sure that we, um, we have the right kind of uh, security information um, and kind of data around them. You know, we need more visibility into the stock. You know, quite obviously, the more expensive the product, the less stock you're going to be holding because it's quite capital intensive. We need to make sure we have more resilience. And by resilience, I mean kind of robust contingency planning, temperature control solutions uh, to ensure that you know, products reach the customers in the correct time and state, you know, temperature state. And of course, we need you know, greater customer focus. Uh, and through these kind of these types of continued in investments, we're well positioned to grow, evolve alongside our partners and develop solutions that enable us to kind of maintain a secure and reliable partner supply chain. So Aloga recently opened a new distribution centre in the Netherlands. How does the investment in the facility fit within your vision for Aloga and how are you trying to support customers' evolving needs? Okay, good question. Our strategy is shaped in part by the conversations that we have with uh, biopharma companies every day, we not only get a deeper understanding of their challenges and, and desired outcomes, but we can also better anticipate how their needs may change over the next, say, five years uh, and how we need to evolve to best support them. Now, through these conversations, you know, one theme has continued to emerge. Biopharma companies want a partner that can develop and execute multi-country solutions to support their launches in the UK and across Euro 4, and, and other countries, enabling them to bring their products to market more efficiently. Now, given Sencora's geographic footprint and in-market capabilities, we are well positioned to be able to support them. We operate in over 29 countries um, for both pallet and parcel storage and distribution, and we have you know, a great set of uh, infrastructure in all of those countries, uh, as well as the US. Now, our vast healthcare supply chain network enables us to build sophisticated pan-European and transatlantic supply chain solutions that are, in most cases, tailored to meet the needs of our individual biopharma partners and their customers. Now, through continued investments in innovative solutions and infrastructure, like the uh, Netherlands DC that you mentioned, we're able to meet our customers' evolving needs and expectations and deliver the logistic support they need to ensure their products can reach their patients wherever they may be. Thank you, Chris. So I just want to make a, a 
bit clearer for listeners. So the specialty products that are being brought to market, you were discussing a minute ago, these include advanced therapy medicinal products or HTMPs and orphan medicines. And over the past three years, the EMA has recommended for authorization more than 130 of these types of active substances. So I just wondered if there's anything else you'd like to share with listeners about the new developments that are happening. I mean, we've got a pretty comprehensive cover now from both of you. Is there anything else you'd like to add that perhaps listeners at home are still left wondering? Yeah, perhaps, perhaps I can take that that question. So, yeah, and it's a good question. If you think think back about a year ago, you know, back in December 2022, we saw the uh, European Commission issue the first approval for the allogeneic T-cell therapy, the first one in the world. Yeah, that was quite a landmark approval and uh, served as a significant milestone for the cell and gene therapy sector. But it also kind of offers a glimpse of, you know, what is on the horizon, you know, for, from uh, biopharma companies and their race to develop innovative products such as vaccines and cell and gene therapy. Recent reports suggest cold chain products will continue to grow at twice the rate of non-cold chain products um, throughout 2024. Uh, and while these products, such as biologics, offer tremendous promise for patients, they can introduce into the supply chain quite unique logistics challenges, um, often requiring you know, significant focus on uh, temperature and time criticality. Uh, and obviously, with, with uh, time criticality and temperature comes tracking and monitoring as well. So any exposure to temperatures outside of their specified range can threaten the product's viability, you know, resulting in not only product wastage, wastage but lost revenue and, of course, most importantly, delayed patient access. So successful cold chain logistics requires you know, highly choreographed shipping schedules, cold chain infrastructure, temperature control packaging, and tracking technology, you know, and you know, to, just to ensure that we adhere to kind of strict regulatory guidelines. And I guess as the needs of our partners and their products have evolved, we've made significant investments uh, to elevate and expand our cold chain logistics capabilities. So, for example, we've expanded our cold chain and ultra cold chain capacity, storage capacity across Ologa's network, most recently in France, in the Netherlands, UK and, and, and Spain. So we're, we're significantly investing in those areas to make sure we have the capacity uh, for when these products are launched and come to market. And there is obviously significant R&D investments and, and scientific advances throughout throughout medicine. Biopharma companies and their logistics partners need to build end-to-end strategies to ensure products can reach patients who need them no matter where they live. Exactly. So in short, with these brilliant uh, innovations coming into existence, needless to say for sort of your end of things, Sankora, it's becoming a, a little bit trickier to say the least, but it's a worthy challenge indeed. Is there anything you'd like to add to that, Sandra? Yeah, I would just to support Chris, I mean, as we're talking about these cell and gene complex therapies, it's not just on the logistics side, which 100% it is. There, there's usually smaller patient volumes that we're trying to reach in uh, various countries. Uh, these are very high priced products. These are not typically priced at a, what a rare disease or ultra orphan, in some cases, millions of dollars per patient. So navigating through that hurdle, in addition to what Chris described, the regulatory hurdle, and then the patient follow-up. Once these patients receive one therapy, it's a, a different model. They're receiving it once. They have to be followed up for years after. It's not like a chronic therapy where you deliver the therapy in a regular way. So these types of nuances make a difference in how you collect evidence, 
um, leverage the evidence with payers to get coverage and, and centralize some of the functions. So when we're mapping out a plan, as Chris said, to access more patients, we need to look at the regulations in each country, the model of how we're going to deliver the product to the patient, which centers are we going to work with, what technology are we going to leverage, what advice are we going to um, provide our customers so that they have the most effective channel strategy, but also the most effective launch strategy and market access strategy as well to reach these patients. So there's a bunch of different factors when we're working with these complex therapies to consider that we might not have had to consider for those other standard therapies in the past. Indeed, considerably centered around time and cost and perhaps from your perspective, Chris, temperature. So if we think about the future, are there any hopes that either of you hold for the future when it comes to everything that we've been considering today? I think the future is more complex, more targeted therapy, more patient access to product. I think Syncora is the company that can help navigate these smaller biotechs through the complexities that we described today. I think partnering with a company like us allows you know, emerging biotech to navigate those hurdles. We have such a wealth of experts to help navigate those complexities. And I mean, I have high hopes for the future. It's just understanding it's not a cookie cutter model for each of these new launches and having a cut, you know, a partner like Syncora with expertise in logistics, market access, reimbursement, regulatory, all the, the things that you'll need to bring a product to market can give confidence to these smaller companies that they have a partner that can help them through that journey. Um, at the end of the day, it's all about patients and how many patients that we can serve and provide therapies to. So I, I have a positive outlook on the future. And I think there's a lot of opportunity. Thank you, Sandra. Did you have anything to add, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I'll just echo really what um, what, what Sandra just said there. I mean, this is, a, this is a huge, exciting industry to be involved in. You know, we're, we're, we're witnessing kind of uh, transformation in kind of medicines, tailored medicines. You know, we're, we're at the hearts of those conversations with, um, with our kind of manufacturer and biopharma partners and, and uh, customers. So it's really it's, it's a really nice place to be in the, in the supply chain. As I've worked for forty years in supply chain, but this is probably the the most um, the most fulfilling part for me because you know every, everybody has friends and family that you know, require um, you know uh, these medicines, and you know knowing you you play a part in helping them get to the markets and the patients that need them the most is hugely fulfilling. So I just think you know it's, it's exciting. We need to start staying um, really close with our manufacturer partners. We need to be as innovative as they are with their medicines in, um, in in our approach to how we get these products to their markets, regardless of whether we're talking about you know tens of thousands of orders a year or or hundreds of orders a year, the the process is the same, and um, yeah, and we're delighted to be able to play our part. Thank you. So, Sencora, at the heart of this conversation, lovely speaking with you both. Thank you. Thank you very much. And so that concludes another episode of the Pharma Forum podcast. You can find out more information about this episode, including a download link and information about previous installments of the series at pharmaforum.com forward slash podcasts. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher and Podbean where you can find and subscribe by searching for Pharma Forum. Of course, don't forget to visit our website itself, where you can sign up for daily news and analysis bulletins and follow us on Twitter or X nowadays at at Pharma Forum.
That's all for now. Thank you for listening.